Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited that you would choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation New Jersey. And uh, listen, we are going to jump right into it today. And so uh, I want to tell you about a scandal that ripped through uh, most of Europe in the early 1800s. And like, it was so scandalous that the London Times said that this dance that, that was, that was um, going throughout Europe, uh, the London Times declared it was an obscene display, right? They went on to say that this was a dance for prostitutes and adulteresses, right? And if that wasn't enough, the medical community, they began to chime in. They, they said this, that, that if you participate in this dance, um, it's unhealthy or it could even be deadly. They said this, that the, the human body was not designed to spin around that much, right? And, and so they said that if, if you uh, participated in this dance, that you were going to take years off of your life. They said the typical man practicing this dance would only live to the age of 37. And get this, if you were the woman, um, you would only live to 25. And the name of this scandalous dance is the waltz <laughs> right is that incredible man so i don't i don't know if you've ever uh, uh participated in the waltz and you know i hope you're still living and you're still healthy but i remember i had to learn uh the waltz we had a um Actually, as, as I was a uh, minister to the to the New York Jets as their chaplain, and and so we were doing a, a couples uh, Bible study with the New York Jets and their wives, and and so uh, the the uh, the end of the season we were going to culminate in a nice dinner, and then we were going to all take dance lessons together, right? And so sounded like a great idea. Uh, it was a dumpster fire. <laughs> man, we had poor wives got stepped on. One one actually uh, man drew blood, and uh, one of the D line men. He was such a big guy that the dance floor literally split in half and uh, <laughs> so it was it was a bit of a train wreck um, and then to top it off uh, the um, the dance instructor her spouse couldn't make it so I had to be the stand-in and so listen don't don't let me just fool you man I mean I, I can throw it down man I can like like pop and, and do that kind of thing I can cabbage patch when I need to not really I'm such a poser and so man I just can't dance and so uh, I just remember how exhausted I was that night trying to keep in step with the instructor and listen, that's kind of where we're heading today is um, I, I think even a more difficult dance for me to keep in tune with and step with is, is the dance of God to keep in step with the rhythm of the love of God. Like Paul would say it in other places to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if you know that, but there's this there's this dance taking place uh, in the heavenly realms. Like like the Bible tells us this, that at the center of everything that is, is God. And this God is a trinity, a tri-unity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And there's this unbreakable bond between them, a bond of love. 
And you know, theologians have given a name for this Trinitarian love. Um, it's this, it's the word perichoresis. The word peri means around, and choresis, um, it means this, to, to give way, right? To give way to. And you can hear the word in choresis, choreography. And so, in fact, some theologians, they've actually termed this the dance in the Godhead, the dance in the Godhead. And so, um, uh, this this Trinitarian love between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, it's always other-oriented, that the Father is celebrating the Son, the Son is celebrating the Father and the Spirit, the Spirit celebrating both the Father and the Son, right? And, and so it's this heavenly dance. And so today in our text, that Paul is going to highlight uh, the way of love, and he's going to say this, it's, it's a more excellent way. And so, um, listen, I can't even begin to tell you how difficult it was to prep uh, for this message today because um, love can be so difficult to grab a hold of. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like uh, today, uh, love has just become white noise. It, it's kind of, it's used so much that it's kind of uh, lost all of its meaning. And so, because uh, like we love everything, right? We, we love our dog, we love pizza, and we love our mom, right? So uh, hopefully those are, are different types of love and we don't mean the same thing. And so if we love everything, then we love nothing, all right? And so the, it can be very difficult today, but, but I hope that God, he, he can show us some steps, some dance steps, if you will, if we can stay with that theme, to keep in step uh, with the rhythm of the love of God. And so in our text today, uh, God's going to create some, some dance steps, all right? He's going to say, uh, step here, not there. Like this, not like that. And so let's check it out. I think you'll be familiar with this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, Paul says this, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And so, Lord, I pray you give us grace, Lord. Give us wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you as we as we talk about keeping in the rhythm of God's love. And so... Um, I, I think you would admit, like, this is a beautiful poetic passage by Paul. It reads easy, but it lives really, really hard, doesn't it? Like, like uh, you know, I, I've officiated uh, a ton of weddings, and inevitably, man, that uh, the, the bride and the groom, they're going to they're gonna want this uh, 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 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, to be read uh, during their, their wedding ceremony. And it's, it's kind of funny because, uh, you know, I, I look at the, the bride and the groom, and they're in this just the enchanted stage where man you just can't believe that your spouse could ever do anything to offend you and they could never do nothing wrong and you're never going to disagree right and um and, and then there's that thing that they do right now that you think is just so cute i got news for you uh just give it a little time and it's going to become annoying to you right and so so i kind of like get to giggling because um paul understands man that love is not some frilly thing but it's robust he begins this thing by uh, he says love is patient I love the King James Version. It says this, love suffers long. <laughs> it sounds like Paul knew a little bit uh, about marriage. And if love is going to last, man, you have to be long-suffering uh, or patient. I love what uh, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he said it this way uh, to, a, to a bride and a groom. He said, today you are young and very much in love. And you think that your love can sustain your marriage. I, uh, it can't. 
let your marriage sustain your love. Isn't that awesome? Like, like as you choose in the marriage covenant to stay together, that is what's going to sustain uh, your love. And so, unfortunately, today, we, we've mistaken love with just this emotive, this feeling, you know. And um, listen, it's it's not less than a feeling, but it's so much more than a feeling. And so we've, we've got this idea that if I don't feel something, then, then I, I'm, I'm not in love. All right. And, and it's just not true. Like, like I've, I've said this time and time again, I've never been more aggravated that over in Europe now, the number one reason for um, divorce is not infidelity, it's we fell out of love, which is ridiculous, all right? You just, man, you just don't feel it anymore, but you can choose to love. And so we, so we get this today in our culture is this idea of this, this cupid kind of romantic love, which is great uh, when it's there. But listen, don't build your life on it, man. Because like, like if Cupid's arrow hits me and I love you, great. But what happens if he hits me again and I love somebody else now and not you? Do you see how uh, like uns- insecure and, and unsafe uh, and fragile that kind of love is? And so love is, is something much more robust. And, um, and so, like, I, I love to, in, in Paul's love poem here in 1 Corinthians 13, it's funny, we know that God is love, or Jesus is love, and I, I love theologians have pointed out that, you know, you can absolutely, uh, you can substitute the name Jesus wherever you read the word love, and so it would read like this, Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. Jesus is not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Uh, Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoing. But Jesus, uh, he rejoices with the truth. Jesus loves and bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Jesus never ends, right? Um, But here's what's fascinating. If I try to plug my own name in there, it doesn't work. Like, Adam is patient, sometimes, uh, but not when he gets behind the wheel of a car, okay? Um, Adam is kind. Yeah, sometimes, unless I'm tired and hungry, or God help us if I'm both, all right? I'm, I'm not a very kind person. And so, so we can see this, that, man, that, that Jesus is our example, and, and we're, we're striving to be like Jesus, to stay in the rhythm of the love of God, like Jesus modeled for us. And so, but, but I want to stress this, that, that even when you don't feel uh, love, you can choose love. Uh, Paul's going to say it this way, that you can put love on like a garment, like you'd put on your clothes. Let me read it for you in Colossians 3, verse 14. Paul says this, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so when you don't feel love on the inside, you can choose to put love on. And so uh, uh, there's an author, L. Frank Baum. Uh, you, many of you probably have never heard of him, but you have heard of him. He's, uh, he's actually uh, the author and the creator of the wonderful Wizard of Oz. Man, it was, uh, it was funny how they, do you, I don't know if you, you understood how, how he came up with the name Oz. Like he was stumped. Uh, what, what should I name this magical place? And, and as he was sitting at his desk, he looked over at his file cabinet. And on the file cabinet, it had like normal, it had three drawers. One was, was A to G. And then the other drawer was, uh, was H to N. And then the last one was O to Z. 
or Oz. And they said, that's it. That's the name of my magical kingdom. And um, uh, listen, but uh, Frank Baum, he actually, he died in 1919. And then some 20 years later, they would make the, the screenplay, the movie, uh, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. But uh, but here's, a, here's what's a very interesting backstory is, you know, the wardrobe department, when they were trying to figure out what would the Wizard of Oz, what, what should he look like? And they, they couldn't get like the right jacket for him. They needed it to be, to, to be beat up and tattered, but it still looks somewhat regal. And so they, they went to a thrift store uh, in Los Angeles. They found what they thought was the perfect jacket and wardrobe said, this is the Wizard of Oz. And so they, they actually filmed the man with this thrift store jacket and come to find out, embroidered on the inside of the jacket was the name L. Frank Baum. It was his jacket that 20 years earlier, his, his wife had given away to a thrift store. And now they were, he, was, he actually put on the jacket of the creator and the author of The Wizard of Oz. And you know, in a very real way, when we choose to put on love, we're actually putting on Christ uh, in the earth. And so, uh, and here's great news. Like, like um, God hasn't left us to just, okay, we're going to white knuckle love from here and, uh, throughout eternity. But no, see, he's promised us something, that the Holy Spirit is at work recreating our hearts, that we will have a heart of love towards God and towards people. He, he's making us new again. In fact, Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23, we read that, that love is actually a fruit that the Holy Spirit is producing in us. It says this in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Like he's creating uh, the, the ability for us to love uh, on the inside of us. And so I've shared this story before, but Josh McDowell, the great apologist, uh, he wrote he wrote the book, uh, the best-selling book, e Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And um, in it, like, uh, before he was a Christian, he actually grew up in an abusive home. His dad was a violent alcoholic. And he declared um, when he gets back from college that he was going to kill his father. And um, so he goes to school, but something happened. Jesus had other plans. And, and, and Josh McDowell wound up uh, becoming a Christian. And the Holy Spirit went to work on his heart. His dad uh, uh, grew uh, sick due to alcoholism. And he actually went home and visited his father in the hospital. And there in the hospital, he says, Dad, I love you. And his dad responded in shock. How can you love a man like me? And I love McDowell's response. He says, I don't know. I just do. I've become a Christian. And he was like, well, if God can do that for you, then I want to become a Christian. Isn't that great? Right? It's, it's the power. It's the transforming power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Romans 5, 5 will say it this way. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. And so eventually, man, love is going to become the default setting of the human heart. And so Let's uh, let's like step by step. Let's look at the rhythm of the love of God that Paul points out here. And and here's like dance step number one. Paul says this is that love is patient and kind. And listen, I am so glad that God is patient with me. Aren't you? Is that a collective amen? 
Like, I can't begin to tell you how many times in my life I'm like, God, I'm sorry. I'll never do that again. I'll never do that again. Like between one and a hundred thousand times, uh, I've done that and God's been patient, uh, with me. I, I know like even with my kids, how many have ever had that moment? You're like, how many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> and, and like, I can always hear the Holy Spirit say, yeah, Adam, how many times do I have to tell you? <laughs> right. And so, uh, love is patient and love is kind. Um, do you know that the, the word kind, the etymology, the word comes from the word kin or family, relative, like we're related. It, it, needs to, it means to be generous, generous towards, to, to be friendly, right? And how many know we need more kindness uh, in the earth today? In fact, the, the, fi- the founder of the, the Kind Bar, his name is Daniel Lebetsky. And, and Daniel Lebetsky, it's uh, his fascinating. His father was a Holocaust survivor. And he would tell Daniel as a young boy, he would tell them stories, what it was like living uh, in the um, in the concentration camps. And, and he, he referenced one uh, Nazi soldier who looked kindly on him. And he would sneak food into Daniel's father. And that, that one simple act of kindness absolutely saved his life. And so now Daniel uh, Lubutsky's his, his uh, uh, company, it's motivated by this idea of being kind. Their mission statement is this, creating a kinder, healthier world, one life at a time. Because love is kind, right? Uh, Dan, step number two, you ready? Uh, love does not envy or boast. And so here's what says, see what, what Paul is saying, like love, it, it, it's, it, it's not jealous of what you had or trying to lord things over um, to, to somehow make yourself better than someone else. Uh, in other words, love, what it does, I don't need to tear you down to make me feel better about me. Because Trinitarian love, remember, it's, it's other-oriented, that, that I can celebrate you and make much of you, right? And it doesn't mean any less of me. Love does not envy or boast. Dan, step number three is this. Love is not arrogant or rude. And listen, if you're an arrogant or a rude person, I know a few things about you. Uh, number one is you have very few relationships. And number two, the relationships you do have, they, they are very thin, right? They're, they're very thin and, and shallow. Listen, pride and arrogance, it, it is relational BO. It's relational body order, man. And it stinks in the nostrils of God uh, and humanity. Love is not arrogant or rude. Dan, step number four is this, love does not insist on its own way. Or in other words, love is not selfish. And so uh, I heard this, uh, this parable, this allegory, this story. I can't believe I hadn't heard of it sooner, but uh, it's a story of a man who asked God, God, I, I, I want to see what, what hell is like. And, and so God takes him and, and shows him a, a vision of hell. And, and it was surprising to him that there was this enormous banqueting table and there was all this beautiful food uh, available, but around the table, everybody w- was gaunt starving, miserable. Um, And here's the reason why. At the table, the only thing they could eat with, they only had four foot long uh, chopsticks. In other words, you you couldn't use the chopsticks to feed yourself. But then God transported them up to heaven. And get this, it was a very similar scene. Enormous banqueting table, all kinds of food, but every, the room was filled with laughter, with full hearts and full stomachs, because here's what heaven is like, that they've taken those four foot long chopsticks and, and they've learned to feed one another. 
right? Feed one another. And that's that's the picture, that love is not selfish. It doesn't demand its own way. Step number five is this. Love is not irritable or resentful. So if you're if you're an irritable person, resentful, here, here's something I know, like, like there's something broken on the inside of your heart. The problem is not your environment. The problem is there's something broken on the inside of you. Like, like I can feel irritability calling for me as I age. Like uh, I've had five back surgeries, you know, a bunch of knee surgery. Like my body is just, it's, it's aching more and more as I age. And as I'm, I'm uncomfortable and sore on the inside, oh boy, I, 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 can, I can feel myself get irritable. And in the same way that, that some of you, like you have this low grade dislike of yourself and what that that makes you an irritable person you project that on the others man love is not irritable or resentful dance step number six is this love does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth and and i i need to take a moment and camp down here because i think this is so important to where we are in the world today is this like like love has become this Trojan horse, if you will. Like, like hit all these things are hidden under the, the guise uh, of love. Like, uh, like, like, for example, I would say this, like, so now there's this, there's this false belief that in order for me to love you, I have to fully affirm and accept uh, everything that you believe and you affirm. And it's just insane. Who can do that? Nobody. Like, and, and it's just not true. Like, like I can disagree with you and still ferociously love you. Uh, I'll take my children, my two daughters, Cassie and Lizzie. Like there's a ton of things I disagree with them about and I would give my life for them. Like my daughter, Lizzie, uh, she still doesn't tithe. I think she's robbing God, okay? Uh, I totally disagree with her. Um, my, my oldest, Cassie, uh, she's a Patriots fan. God help us. I totally disagree with her there and yet I love her. You know my wife, Susan? You know, we've been married for 34 years. Um, We disagree about several things. She's wrong often. (laughs) Just kidding, babe, if you're watching this, okay? Um, But here, I can disagree with you and still love you. And so love doesn't uh, rejoice in wrongdoing, but in the truth. And so if I can't affirm what you believe because it goes against what God says is true, but get this, but I still can love you. In fact, God commands me and compels me to. Uh, Dan, step number seven is this. Love bears all things. Uh, Here's what that means. That we have thick skin and soft hearts. Thick skin and soft hearts. Like like Jesus modeled this, didn't he? Like, I I just can't get my head around the fact that it says that, that Jesus, he was spit upon. He was mocked and ridiculed. Like imagine someone spitting on you, but you know what you never read in the scriptures? And Jesus spitting back at them said, cursed be you, right? Jesus doesn't do that at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It said Jesus as he hung on a cross after being mocked and ridiculed, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, right? Love bears all things. Dan, step number eight is love believes all things. It, it doesn't mean that, that love is gullible or naive. Here's what it means. It, that love, it, it, it fights to find the good, to, to find what's good and right uh, in people, right? It, um, and so marriage, I'm going to give you some, some free marriage advice here, okay? Become an expert in your spouse's strengths and not their weaknesses. 
like like believes all things, believe the good, call out uh, the good in your spouse, and you watch your marriage begin uh, to blossom, right? Because love, it it believes all things. Uh, Get this, uh, step number nine is love hopes all things. Love hopes all things. And we know this, that that biblical hope, it's this, it's not like, oh, cross on my fingers and I hope it works out. Biblical hope is a confident expectation of good. And so we know this, like we are a people of hope because we know that in the end, that love wins, right? And then and then dance step number 10 is this, love endures all things. Love endures all things. And that word endure, it, it's actually a military term. It, it means to stand against opposition and, and to be immovable, right? And, and so in other words, you could say it this way, that, that love, love stays. Love says, I'm not going anywhere, right? Um, I was uh, reminded earlier this week in, in preparation, I, I heard the story from uh, Pastor Ben Stewart. He, he he says this, it was the first wedding that he had ever uh, cried at. And it's actually the story of uh, a couple and they were just a beautiful couple, right? I don't know if you've ever been with those kind of people. Like like they walk in the room and they're like, those are beautiful people, <laughs> right? It's it's just like, oh man, they're just like such good looking. And and so they're just fantastic people, uh, love the Lord. And, and so they were engaged to be married, but get this, uh, uh, months prior, um, the, the fiance that she received a devastating diagnosis that she had MS, multiple sclerosis. And so she knew that it was going to be a rough uh, future for her. And so she gave her fiance the out. She's like, hey, you didn't sign up for this. And I totally understand. I want to give you your out now. You don't have to go through this with this. And he's like, are you crazy? He says, I'm, I'm going through with this because I love you. And then fast forward to the marriage ceremony and there's the power where there's the exchanging of vows, right? And, and, and she says, uh, you know, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness, and then she began to break, quiver, and in health. And here's what's so great, man, when it became time for him uh, to, to profess his love, he says, man, for better or for worse, a richer or poor, in sickness and in health, I'm not going anywhere. Why? Because love stays. And so, listen, th- this is kind of the dance and staying in the rhythm of the love of God. And and so, I, in thinking about things this week, you know what? I, I wanted you. I want you to feel something. I want you to feel something this week. And so, um, um, here's what I want to do. I'm gonna I want to end a little bit differently, and I want us to see if we can feel the rhythm of the love of God. And, and so, um, man, if, if you wouldn't mind, I mean, just so you can, can kind of just sense this a little bit, but if, man, you could just close your eyes and, and I want to just share with you, man, this, this dance of love that we find our life playing out on. And so, um, it, it goes like this in the beginning, God, he creates the heavens and the earth. And this God, he's a, a Trinitarian God. He's, he's God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bound by this unbreakable love bond. It's this, there's this heavenly dance uh, at the center of the universe. And get this, out of the overflow of God's love, God creates everything there is. Like it says, the earth, it was formless and it was void, and God forms it and fills it. He fills it with beauty. He fills it with love. He creates the stars of the sky. 
the fish in the sea, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field, and then the pinnacle of his creation, that God would create man. And Almighty God himself would get down in the dirt, and out of the overflow of love, he would form and fashion humanity. Like he forms us from the dust of the earth, and then he breathes into us, man, the breath of life and humanity. We came alive with the breath of God. And God says this, to be fruitful and multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it, that God himself invites us into the dance. And as we walk in this relationship of love with God, now we too, uh, love overflows and man begins to create beauty and love, community, like out of the overflow of our love relationship for God and one another. But all of that would be shattered and broken by believing the lie of a serpent in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve, they rebel against God. And in that moment, everything is broken and shattered. Adam and Eve, in so doing, step out of the dance of God. But here's the great news. Like, like sin, the weight of sin absolutely fractures everything in the cosmos. It can't sustain the weight of sin. And now beauty and love and unity, they're broken. But, but God, in His love, He sends us the promise. The promise of a Savior, a Christ, a Messiah, who would come and put all things together again through love. And, and on a one night, a silent night, man, the heavens cracked open and the angels of God began to declare glory to God in the highest and peace, goodwill on earth towards men. The Savior had arrived. Man, and, and, the, and the Savior, He on our behalf, that God Almighty, He becomes a part of the dance on mankind's part. He keeps in step with the Holy Spirit, that, that He obeys the will of His Father. And Jesus begins to make all things beautiful again out of the overflow of love. And this Jesus, He heals blind eyes. He raises the dead. Uh, he makes all things beautiful again. But not everyone uh, were aligned with this Messiah and the Savior. And, and some out of envy and strife, they arrest Jesus. They have him beaten and battered until eventually they hang him on a cross. But it wasn't the nine inch nails that kept Jesus hanging on that cross. It was his love for you and for me. And on that cross, Jesus absorbs the blow for his sin and death, absorbs it on our behalf, and he declares, it is finished. And then on the third day, Jesus would get up out of that grave that love had, had absorbed death on our behalf. And now this great Jesus, 
He invites you and I to once again join in to this Trinitarian dance, that you and I would join Him. We would love God, we would love people, and we would live our life in the rhythm of the love of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, every nation, God loves you and has a great plan for your life. I hope this this message stirred something inside of you and you get a a, a different perspective on the love uh, of God. Um, And um, listen, we're done with our sermon here, but um, I want to remind you that you can be faithful in your tithing and your giving. You know, there's three ways you can give and help support us here at Every Nation New Jersey. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Uh, or you can give via text. My family and I, we give this way. If you just text the letters E-N-C-N-J um, uh, to the number 77977. It's a very convenient way to give. Uh, or you can mail in your check or money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. Every nation, God deeply loves you. He loves you. And out of the overflow of that love, let's you and I go love a hurting world. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.